Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. As always, I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited. Everybody hears me say super excited so often that um, they have to question whether I really am super excited. But I am this time because we have our very first married couple on the podcast. I'm very excited to welcome Jasmine and Trevor Bateson to the podcast. How are you guys? We're doing well. Nice to chat with you today. It's so nice to chat with you. And Trevor, as I said that, I'm like, did I pronounce did I pronounce the name your name right? Bateson. It, it is Bateson. Okay. You know, I, I check I checked with them beforehand on like all kinds of different things. And then as you know, as I get to the uh, your last name, I'm like, I've always said Bateson. I sure hope that it is Bateson, um, but uh, we're we're uh, we're really excited to have to have you guys. Um, high school sweethearts, is that right? No. College we sweethearts. Had, uh, no. Birthday of freshman year at Cal Poly. Freshman year at Cal Poly. Well, you know, I always saw you guys as high school sweethearts. I just assume that because a lot of times we have that right um, uh, coming to college. I actually believe it or not. Um, followed my high school sweetheart to college and dated her all four years and um, uh, four years of high school, four years of college. So uh, so we have the four years of college in common, not the high school. part. But anyway, so uh, caught my eye in high school. That's for sure. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, we're going to we're going to get into some riffs back and forth with you, two, And and um, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Let me tell let me tell our listeners, first of all, give them a little bit of background, your your current titles. So Jasmine is currently a, a recreation supervisor for the town of Moraga here in California, up in the Bay Area, correct? Yes. Yes. What part of the Bay Area is that? It's the East Bay. It's one it's of the East. smallest uh, incorporated <laughs> municipalities in the Bay Area. Is it really? Okay. Awesome. I love it. And um, and Trevor is a project manager for Corn Ferry. Um, I'm gonna. We're you're gonna tell us about Corn Ferry. You know, Trevor. Um, I am. I am only familiar with Corn Ferry in the golf context because I am uh, I am a pandemic uh, golf nut. Um, I don't know whether I had told you guys that yet or not, but I, I started in July playing golf for the for pretty much for the first time and uh, just have fallen in love with it. So I know the Corn Ferry from um, from golf. So I'm looking forward to you telling us all about what Corn Ferry is besides a sponsor of the. Uh, the minor league golf tour. Yep. The corn Ferry tour, of course, I'm, yes. I'm glad that uh, that promotion is working, that we're getting the name out. So that's pretty exciting. It is. It is. I love it. I love it. So let's, um, before we get to those, those titles and what you guys are currently doing, um, let's go back in time. So I've est- we've established that you were not high school sweethearts. So why don't we hear about where you, where you each are from? Uh, so I grew up in Berkeley, um, and I grew up in Castro Valley. So we grew up 25 minutes from each other. And when Trevor met me, he'd never heard of Castro Valley. So <laughs> I can grow up in the Bay Area and have no idea um, a city exists. Well, that's hilarious. And, you know, I 
I have to admit, Jasmine, I did not know Castor Valley until last night watching the Warriors. And I heard them say that uh, JTA, Juan Toscano Anderson, is from Castor Valley. Yeah, Trevor and I actually watched him play some high school basketball not that long ago. That's awesome. That is awesome. What a connection. Um, so uh, so tell us, uh, Trevor, since you, we established that order, uh, tell us what it was like growing up in Berkeley. What did your parents do? What, what were you into as a kid? That sort of thing. Yeah, Berkeley is a really cool place because it's so like socially accepting. So you had really kind of a melting pot of different perspectives and craziness going on. Um, I went to middle school on Telegraph Avenue and actually walked down Telegraph, past all kind of the crazies and the you know the very uh, eccentric personalities that you have. Uh, to the campus where I'd catch the, the bus home. So really just kind of very socially accepting, very progressive uh, place. Both parents were, were Cal grads. And so that's kind of um, how we ended up in Berkeley. Right on. Were they, were they academics? What were, what did, what did they do when you were growing up? Uh, my dad ran a, uh, a nonprofit, a crisis and suicide prevention center. Oh, um, my yeah. mom was a planner for the university. So she, um, worked for the university for a number of years in, you know, their uh, land use. Right on, right on. I have loved my time in Berkeley. I've, I, I haven't spent that much time, but I, I've, I, you know, a couple of weeks, I, I, the the two times I've been up there, I, I've spent like a week each time and gotten a little bit of a feel for the, for the, for the town. And, um, and it's kind of funny you said that because I remember sitting at a coffee shop and seeing like middle school kids walking um, back and forth. And so when you said that, I'm like picturing little Trevor walking by, uh, you know, with his like Walkman. And uh, I'm sure he, I'm sure you were cool as all cool could be. Um, but so what about you? What about you, Jasmine? Um, so I grew up in Castro Valley. Um, I, at the time, thought it was a small town with nothing to do. <laughs> Um, but coincidentally, Trevor and I have kind of settled in Castro Valley and are raising our family here. So it must not have been that bad. Not bad. I love it. Um, is Castro Valley where Moraga is? No, they're probably 30 minutes apart. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. Um, Trevor failed to mention that he, uh, spent some time in Moraga growing up as well. Ah, nice. Uh, he graduated from high school, um, from the high school that's in Moraga. <laughs> right so, on, right uh, on. Now, what did your parents do when you were growing up? Um, both of my parents worked in the aviation industry. Oh, right on. Um, so I grew up hanging on that standby list, trying to see <laughs> new places, um, and really fortunate that, you know, living somewhere where I thought there was nothing to do my parents were able to afford me the opportunity to see some things outside of Castro Valley. Right. Right. That is, that is cool. And, and I bet now looking back, you're like, Oh wow. This is like right in the middle of like one of the major, one of the, uh, one of the world's biggest metropolitan areas. But it's so funny though, because as you get, as you get away from those city core, that there that city core, it, it really is become small town in so many of these um, little outlet or, or little um, enclaves. And so that's really, that's really cool to hear. So um, I know you were both into sports, or at least I think you were both into sports. Um, is that right? What were you is what were you guys into in, in high school growing up, that sort of thing? 
I mean, I was definitely your typical teenage girl. So yes, I enjoyed sports. You know, my dad definitely was a big proponent of girls in sports and it didn't really matter what the sport was. He wanted me to try basketball and my dad was a track and field athlete. So he really was pushing for a daughter that wanted to throw the javelin and the discus. And while hand-eye coordination is really not something that I possess, um, I grew up um, swimming and being kind of the what was that award? Like the best sport award, sportsmanship mm. award right. um, while participating in team sports, because I was your best bench cheerleader you were going to get on the basketball team. There you go. Um, that, 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 that lends itself well into a career in parks and recreation. <laughs> I love it. That's great. What about you, Trevor? All state in like seven different sports or what? Yeah, I, I wish. Certainly my uh, my lateral quickness probably let me down there. Oh, yeah? <laughs> uh, played some team sports, played basketball all throughout yeah. high school. Uh, our team was actually really good. We went to state, I think lost in the uh, um, semis my uh, senior year. No part of, you know, because of my contribution, certainly. But uh, no, it was a good good team environment, good uh, opportunity to, to network and make friends for sure. Right on, right on. And, and you know, so uh, when – Leading into the college years, right? I like to ask. I like to ask uh, uh, alumni, like, what? What was your? Did you? Ha- did you have an ideal job? What was? What was your ideal? Ideal job at that time before you? Before you went off to college. So I don't know if Cal Poly is still this way, but you know, when we were applying, you had to declare a major. Yeah. So is it still the case? Yeah, still the case. Yeah. So we had to declare, and so I actually declared uh, forestry. I had I didn't know that being a urban firefighter. And so um, one of the ways to kind of pursue that career is through the the forestry program and Mm -hmm. um, the surveying and um, got to Cal Poly and realized that wasn't really quite my uh, my interest. Learning the Latin names of some of the the plant species wasn't quite aligned with kind of my city boy mentality. So um, got to Cal Poly and then started looking for maybe other opportunities. Right, right. What about you, Jasmine? Did you come in as an RPTA major or not? I did not either. I didn't think you did either. Okay. What were you? Remind me. Um, I I was a business major. Business. Oh, wow. Um, And I mean, had you asked me from the time I was 15 years old, I was planning to be the CEO of a large corporation, um, really driven into the business and marketing field. And Mm kind of like Trevor, I got to Cal Poly and said, yeah, this is okay. It's kind of boring. But a lot of those business skills are, you know, things I still use in my career every day. So exactly, exactly. And you ended up landing in a major that is a management oriented major, right? That that, um, but, the, the, but, you know, they don't have any Greenwoods over there in uh, the Orphala College of Business. So, uh, <laughs> no, I, I tell people that I got the fun kind of business degree. That's right. That's right. The fun, fun, uh, fun management side. That's exactly, you know, when I first got to Cal Poly, um, uh, Dr. Hendricks, that's one of the things he, he said to me, he said, you know, we, 
we gotta we we gotta move beyond being the fun major. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> everybody thinks we're the fun major, and I'm trying to like I'm trying to educate them that we do a little bit more than just fun. And uh, you know, I think uh, uh, 15 some odd years later, uh, I, I think we have risen. Um, a little bit above uh, just being the fun major, but I also like that we have fun. And I think that's a, that's an important part of it. And so um, let's talk about, so, you know, almost everyone who comes to Cal Poly has some form of connection. Did you guys have any connection Were there family um, connections or anything like that? How did you hear about Cal Poly? So when I was doing the whole college tour and kind of deciding what I wanted my kind of next step to be, uh, I had both a sister at Cal Poly and then another sister at Cuesta. So already had connections to the uh, um, Central Coast. Also had come down for basketball tournaments, played against Mission Prep. Um, right on. Part of my high school career. So definitely connected to the area. And then just what's not to love about San Luis Obispo. Right 10, 15 minutes from the ocean. Yeah. Perfectly located between kind of the Bay Area and Los Angeles, right there on the water. And it just yeah. fell in love immediately. Yeah come down, you know, especially coming from the North, you come down that grade and you're like, Whoa, this is pretty cool. <laughs> what about you, Jasmine? I had no connections to Cal Poly. Right. Um, I've always been a really competitive person. Um, and I had a number of classmates say, you know, Oh, you heard about Cal Poly. It's really hard to get in there. Um, especially into their business program. And I said, well, it checks off all of the boxes that I'm looking for in a college. So why not apply? Mm -hmm. Um, They challenged you and you're like, I'm going to get into that business school. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you know, it wasn't my first choice, but it worked out in my, in my favor. Yes. I would, I would agree in our favor. Right. Right. Trevor. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) At least. Um, Well, that is awesome. And so, you know, um, at Cal Poly, obviously where I met you two and, um, and, and you two uh, stood out um, among the crowd and, and, um, and I hope you, I hope you know that and, um, and and know how much I, I value you guys as, as, uh, as uh, great students when you were here and as awesome alumni who have, who have kept in touch and, and, um, and, you know, uh, Trevor, I remember Jasmine very well in the classroom because um, uh, I've been planning this for a couple of days, Trevor, after we, um, we interacted and scheduling and whatnot, Trevor said, well, you're going to have to check with the CEO first about when we can schedule this podcast. And I was, I thought back and, um, Jasmine is one of the few students um, that intimidated me in the classroom. Like when I had Jasmine in a class, I was like, I knew I had to have my stuff sharp and organized and ready because I did not want Jasmine to see me unprepared or not ready to answer any question. And, uh, and, you know, we, as we, as faculty, we, we appreciate that. That keeps us, that keeps us on our, on our toes. So I, I, um, I love that about you, Jasmine. <laughs> Always happy to, you know, be that person. <laughs> I think over the course of our uh, college careers, we probably took maybe ten classes together, or you know, same time. And I think I did better in one of the ten. Yeah. <laughs> did you rub that in? Was that yeah. bowling? 
Uh, we didn't take, didn't take bowling together. I did take bowling <laughs> three times. Uh, <laughs> bowling. Um, I can't even remember at this point. Maybe it was calculus or what I did better in, but I think it was anthropology actually. Was it? All right. Anthropology. I was glad, I was glad you weren't going to say one of my classes and then Jasmine was going to be like, yeah, Greenwood, you gave him a, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. but, uh, so let's talk about that time at Cal Poly. So obviously you had, um, a, a unique experience and, and I apologize again for not realizing that you guys met as college freshmen. I think what it was though, now that I'm, I'm thinking back is since you both transferred into the major that I met you when you were further along. Right. And so you had already been dating for a couple of years, I guess, probably by that point. And so I just assumed the high school suite arts but um so let's talk about that time um at cal poly and what you both did um you know our current students in particular love hearing um what you did to further your to further your skills obviously cal poly's learn by doing centered environment is very important in terms of growth and development but then we also offer so many different opportunities whether it be cal poly athletics or or um clubs or or any other any other um, engagement. So what did you both do to, to get involved and build your skills along those lines? Um, I definitely, so transferring in to the major, um, I always felt like I was coming from behind a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think clubs. So the RPTA club, is it the EIM club now? Yes, it is. Um, And um, Rofi Lambda were great networking opportunities for me. Um, I was also very fortunate. I worked um, two different jobs, but one was on campus. Um, And while it was much more of an administrative job and definitely not (laughs) uh, recreation focused whatsoever or experience for that matter, um, those opportunities really afforded me meeting people, building my network. Um, you actually gave us some great feedback. Um, I think it was probably the first day of RPTA 101. Um, you told us that what you wanted to take, what you wanted us to take away from the class is to make sure you had someone that could be a reference for you. And it didn't have to be you. It didn't have to be, you know, anyone that you recommended. Um, but I really carried that with me. So Throughout my time at Cal Poly, I was always looking to establish those relationships, whether it was with faculty, with supervisors, with managers, um, really. So then when I went into the workforce, I had a wide range of people to provide references for me rather than just a teacher. Um, I see that a lot um, in what I do is fresh graduates, they don't have anyone other than whether it's a professor or a former coach of some sort. Um, so that's really some advice that you gave me that I still to this day, like it's always in the forefront. So. Good. Well, that that's awesome to hear. And you know, the funny thing is um, as, as we progress as, as teachers and educators, you know, we, we don't always stay consistent in those things that we say. And so now that you say that, that's um 
that's such great advice that I probably only gave like one class. Um, <laughs> it happened to be like your class. <laughs> so, so, uh, so, but now we'll have this podcast that will live on and, um, and hopefully everybody will get that message. Um, Trevor, I know you were involved with ASI um, a bit and, you know, I have, um, you know, my background, I shared my background with you guys when I was, um, uh, in, you know, when you, when you were in the classroom with me and um I've always marveled at how um, not enough of our majors get involved with um, recreational sports um, because it is a really, really rich student development environment that you can um, that you, that you can really enhance your skills with. So, talk about that experience. I know you you ended up rising through the ranks to become a student manager, right? Yeah, and I think that was probably one of my my first jobs was in ASI. I think sophomore year I was a sports official, so I yeah. officiated intramurals for dodgeball, volleyball, and basketball, and that was just a lot of fun. Always in the gym, meeting people, um, working with you know obviously the leadership in in ASI, working with um, Robin Claiborne. I know I think that's her maiden name. Shout out Greg Avakian and Marcy Maloney and all those folks that, uh, yeah. uh, was super cool. And so, yeah, you know, Greg Avakian is now the director of parks and recreation in San Luis Obispo. Yeah. Yeah. You knew that. Yeah. 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 We saw him while he was interviewing for that process. Oh, you did right on, right on. Yeah. And I know Robin, of course, and Marcy Maloney, um, was on the podcast and, uh, yeah. Did you know that she was um, one of the first six students in our major? I knew she was a wreck. I didn't know. Wow. Yeah. All right. He was the very, the very first year of his existence. I had heard her say that before and I thought she was like just joking. And then I brought her onto the podcast and actually she was one of the first six ever students in our major. It was really cool talking to her. You should go back and, and, um, and check out the podcast. It's a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun hearing from her. Um, so yeah, talk about that ASI experience. So you were able to, you're able to, to gain a lot of skills through that. It was, it was awesome. So first sports official. And then the next year I was um, one of the sports supervisors, I think mainly for the basketball program. And then uh, senior year was the um, student manager for intramurals. Um, interesting thing about that time at uh, in rec sports is the beautiful rec center that you get to appreciate and enjoy now uh, was not always that way. And there was a huge uh, capital project in 2009, 2010 to expand um, you know, the facilities, the pools, the locker rooms, the, the class, um, the, the fitness classes, all of that. And so right. the uh, rec center was actually open during that expansion, but in a very diminished capacity. And so working side by side with Robin, trying to build a sports curriculum around facilities that maybe weren't not going to be open for the whole season or trying to work through that really kind of a, a fluid situation um, and offer a program during a a capital project. I remember our shared, I am um, our shared student manager office was in a little storage closet under the the gym. It was, I think doubled as a green room and a hallway. And that's where, uh, myself and the fellow uh, student managers all worked on a daily basis, but it was just a really cool environment to be part of kind of that project. 
Right. And you, you know, you just reminded me that I I completely forgot to say you guys are 2010 graduates. Um, So I appreciate you providing some context there. So, so yeah, back in 2010, the thing was under construction and um, you, I know you've gotten a chance to come back and see how beautiful it is now. It's really, it's, it's really just shocking um, how, how gorgeous it is. And, um, um, and we're, we're very lucky along those lines. So, so let's talk about the years, um, years following graduation. I know you both have taken um, uh, some some different paths. I know you you, you cross paths at one point um, there in um, in San Leandro, um, but uh, is that right? Were you were you guys working at the same place in San Leandro for a little while? But um, so so Trevor um, has spent the bulk of the last. Um, 10 years, uh, spent the bulk of it at Stanford um, University. Um, so the rival of his Cal Bears um, over there uh, uh, across the highway. And um, and so, and then, um, and Jasmine has spent um, the bulk of her um, last 10 years working in various parks and recreation departments and, and now working her way up to recreation supervisor. Um, so let's, um, why don't we start with Trevor. Um, Trevor, what, what that, that experience at Stanford Stanford. Um, so you were a talent development coordinator specialist. Um, uh, is that, that, is that like a recruiter? Tell us, um, tell us what that, what, what you were doing there at Stanford. Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously graduated in 2010. Remember what the economy was like in 2010, not a great time to be a, uh, a recent, uh, college graduate. Right. Um, prospects weren't, weren't great at that time. Um, but, I had just kind of made up in my mind that I wanted to work at Stanford. I wasn't sure kind of what. Um, I knew it was the, the rival across the bay and had you know, a reputation in, in the endowment and said, you know, I really want to, I want to work there. And Stanford was getting to ready to launch a new fundraising campaign. And so they were hiring development coordinators to, for fundraising. And I got in my mind, you know, I can, I can wine and dine people. I can take them out for, for golf or for fancy meals or, or whatnot. Of course, had no idea how to fundraise, what fundraising is, what it takes to kind of secure a, a donation like that. Right. But through that process, met, um, you know, met some of the recruiters who were hiring for other positions across the university, including one that was to support a new manager effectiveness program. So it was a new pilot program launched by the president. Um, geared towards kind of frontline and mid-level managers and need someone to really manage the, the operations of it in terms of the scheduling and the event logistics and uh, the customer service and really all those skills that I built up through uh, recreation. And so that's kind of how I ended up in the leadership development um, space within human resources without even knowing that that existed or that right. recreation skills could translate. Right. Well, and you know, um, I, it's one of the things um, it almost seems like I'm developing it as a theme. And um, in this set of podcasts here at the beginning of the year um, leading into the spring, because um, I've had a number of, um, of alumni on who work in human resources in some capacity. And, um, and I knew also that, that, that you did as well. And so that's really interesting. Um, Jasmine, let's, uh, let's, let's switch to your side. Now you, um, you've been in parks and recreation from the jump and, um, with, with some detours, but, um, but let's talk about, um, let's talk about that path, you know, uh, obviously, uh, w- with our move to experience industry management, 
some might look at it and say, oh, well, well, you're leaving parks and recreation behind. And, and that's actually not the case at all. And, um, and we're, we're very cognizant of that and then work towards, towards counteracting that. Um, and, and we still have a number of graduates working in parks and recreation and, and we know and, and hope that we'll continue to have more. And I think through efforts like this, hearing from people like you and, um, and, uh, you know, the Ashley Howes of the world who, who, um, who, who I had on recently, um, hopefully we can, we can let, um, our, our students know that, that management takes place in lots of different environments and obviously under our umbrella of the experience industry, parks and recreation is a huge part of it. So let's talk about that path, how you, um, how or why you decided to go in that direction. I mean, Trevor obviously um, set some context for us that when you guys were graduating, it was a difficult time with, um, with that, the recession that we were, were experiencing. Um, so can you talk about your path and what led you there and why? Absolutely. Um- I mean, looking back, my career in parks and recreation really started when I was 15 years old. Um, I worked summers as a lifeguard and swim instructor at the pool, um, summer camp counselor. And so at the time of graduation, like Trevor mentioned, you know, jobs were scarce. And I had done my internship with the city of San Leandro. Um, And I enjoyed myself. They were in a position to let me try a lot of new things. Um, and to be honest with you, I still thought I wanted to be working corporate events. Um, but I thought an opportunity to plan community events was close enough. (laughs) Um, so I took, I did, I took a brief detour, um, to work for a destination management company, um, planning corporate events. And it was probably three weeks into that role as an account coordinator that I realized I did not want to plan corporate events. Um, It just wasn't for me. The community aspect was much more important to me. um, And getting to serve a larger population. Right. So I went back to (laughs) my internship manager and told her, hey, if anything comes up, let me know. Um, fortunately, I guess, um, the position I had taken with the destination management company was temporary. Um, so I was able to fulfill my commitment to them. Mm -hmm. Um, and I went back to the city of San Leandro as a part-time employee. Um, while working for them on the side, I was teaching swimming lessons, um, kind of running my own business doing that. Um, and then an opportunity came to be with the city of Dublin. Mm -hmm. They were looking for a special event assistant. Um, and for those not familiar with the city of Dublin, they host a two day St. Patrick's day festival annually that in the East Bay draws a hundred thousand people over the two days. So I knew that if I wanted to do community events, that that was a great place to go. It happened to be not that far from our house. Right. Um, And come to find out that they were trying to introduce a new food, art and wine festival. So the time I spent there was extremely rewarding. 
Um, I honestly had the, a great boss, um, who really said the difference between corporate events and community events is corporate events. The details are what people are nitpicking and in community events, it's the end experience that matters. And so it's the logistical planning. You just want people to think it's seamless. No one's going to care, you know, if you're handing out shamrock stickers or, you know, if your beer cup is clear or if it's orange, they want to have a good time. They want to remember the memories that they're making with their family. Um, And so she really, on my second St. Patrick's Day Festival said, here you go. Um, She said, we're going to take, you know, me and a couple of other people on our team, we'll take care of the sponsorship piece but you, you run the show. And from there, I knew that community recreation was the place I wanted to be. Um, I love it. And I love that if you can't go to Dublin, Ireland, you go to Dublin, <laughs> California for St. Patty's Day. That, yeah. is so, that is so awesome. Apparently, there's a festival that rivals it in Dublin, Ohio. Oh, but, uh, I, have, I haven't been there. I can't say so. That is, that is awesome. I love that. Um, so, so, um, you know, I, I think that's, um, I, I think your, your story and your path is very important, um, for, for people to hear, right? Because it's, um, you, you have to know yourself and you have to know what drives you. And, and, and for many corporate events is, is it, man, that's the, that's the exciting, that's the exciting angle. Right. But, but you and knowing yourself and, 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 and staying true to yourself, you realized it was in that community events. And, um, you know, I, I think that's, I think that's so important. And, and obviously for others is sport events, you know, it's, 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 um, it's, um, you know, or, or, or running marathons or, or, um, you know, um, mutters or tough mutters or, you know, uh, everybody has to find their niche and their, and their passion. And I, and so I, I love that. And I think that's exciting. Um, so let's, uh, let's shift a little bit, um, and get to, to where you current, you guys currently are. And so let's, uh, let's finally hear what corn Ferry is really about. So, uh, so Trevor, your project manager now for corn Ferry, I want to hear about how you got that job and moving out from, or, or in moving on from Stanford and, um, and what corn Ferry does, what you do on a daily basis as a project manager. You know what you can tell me. I'm sure most of it's top secret, but it's most of it is not that interesting. But um, so I was at Stanford for, for seven and a half years. Started as a, a development coordinator, and then about halfway through, was promoted to a, a development specialist, really running programs. I ran a employee engagement survey for fourteen thousand benefits eligible staff, um, just to kind of measure their energy, pride, optimism. Um, being a part of the university. So really kind of fun, uh, engaging project. But then was just kind of deciding it was time for a new experience, the uh, commute to um, Silicon Valley from our East Bay home was just getting a little bit brutal. And so decided I wanted to, to try something new. And really it's a, a true testament to who you know, to, to creating those networks. Cause that's how I, I ended up at Corn Ferry as I was recruited by someone who I'd worked with at Stanford. She 
um, wanted me to come join her on a project at Corn Ferry. And so that's kind of what, what led me to kind of this new career opportunity. Uh, Corn Ferry is a, a management consulting company. Okay. So they partner with a lot of the Fortune 5 and Fortune 500 on their uh, HR practices. Hire, uh, formed as a executive search um, organization, but is now really kind of broadened into consulting, into digital, which is all of the um, assessments in their intellectual property, and into RPO, which is a kind of recruitment outsourcing. Uh, I work on the um, advising or consulting space doing um, executive coaching programs. So we work with uh, Silicon Valley tech companies on providing them with executive coaches to support um, their career development and their um, just help them kind of in their own career journeys. And so I support a program of coaches uh, all around the world. We have over 50 coaches in, you know, North America, in South America, in South Africa, Ireland, London, India, Singapore, Australia, New Zealand, really getting to work with these incredibly talented, smart individuals who are helping um, corporate leaders really in all parts of the globe. I love it. And you, you know, you did some, you did some training and some, um, uh, presentations at, at Stanford as well. Did you get, did you gain, is that where you gained that experience? So I've done a lot of, you know, facilitation leading workshops and offsites, icebreakers, team building, um, that kind of thing. Certainly no shortage of opportunities to work on my uh, public skills, public speaking skills, and just creating connections yeah. um, with other people. Love it. Well, see, you educated me. The corn now I know more when I when I see Corn Ferry. I'm like, well, yep, yep, Corn Ferry's management consulting. I know all about it now. Management uh, consulting global. I think eight thousand employees. Headquarters are in Los Angeles, but offices all around the uh, around the world. And the title sponsor of the um, PGA Feeder Tour that feel, that feeds the PGA Tour. Right. Yeah. See, you, they they've um. They've got you, so you you say it better than I said it. I think I said like I didn't know what to call it. The PGA Minor Leagues, <laughs> the PGA Feeder Tour. That sounds much better. I appreciate that. So Jasmine, um, as as a recreation supervisor now for the town of Moraga, um, can you give us uh, what a day to day experience is like for you? I can. Um, in short, I work as I mentioned earlier, in one of the smallest communities in the East Bay. Um, so our full-time staff as a municipal organization, including a police department, is 36 employees. Oh, wow. Um, so our Parks and Recreation Department full-time is me and two others. Right. Um, so I have a lot of opportunities to do things that are maybe even outside of a typical parks and recreation role. Yeah. Um, say, have they, with the pandemic, has that made some um, things challenging? Yeah. Um, but I think pandemic wise, it's really forced us to think creatively. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I hate to sound cliche, but people are dying to have their in-person experiences. Yeah. Um, virtual things are no long, you know, back two years ago, it'd be like, 
yeah, cool. I'll attend a class virtually. And now people are like, no virtual anything. I don't want to get on the computer even more. Um, but I honestly, every day deal with different members of the public, um, whether that's fielding um, ideas for new activities, um, clarifying whether it's town ordinances or policies, or in this current setting, um, helping people interpret the county health order. Um, I I am sorry to have uh, to have uh, chuckled there, but I got some like I got some very uh, some very overt Les, uh, Leslie Nope uh, type uh, things from when as you were talking there. You're like uh, interpreting town ordinances, and I get some creative ideas about what we're doing in here. And it, you know, I think that show started around the time we joined RPTA, right? And I, I want to say it was you. You're like, yeah, it's funny, but it's not representative. Right. <laughs> um, and now being in it and watching it, I'm like, it there is a lot of this that is very representative. Yeah. Um right. You, huge- all of the characters are not like over the top hilarious people like uh like is portrayed but some of the things that they have to deal with are similar right um but the one of the main functions of my role is um overseeing town parks and facilities right um i did that in my previous supervisory role um and as trevor mentioned you know he found his way to corn ferry through Um, a former colleague, I actually was, shouldn't use the word recruited um, in the public sector, but um, my former boss um, with the city of San Leandro actually reached out to me um, and asked me if I would consider applying um, to work in Moraga. Um, So overseeing town and park facilities, Moraga is a very minimalist government So a lot of our capital projects are grant funded. Um, So working with grant applications and grant funding um, and just being a small community, we run a lot of hands-on programs. Um, Before I got to Moraga, they didn't have a lot of programs for the zero to five. So the tiny tot age range. And that's an age range that for me has always been of interest Um, And so I've started to generate some more programs that serve that age group. Um, And with the current pandemic, somehow I have fallen into being the um, coronavirus policy writer. Uh, Right. (laughs) Right. Um, Very good at that. That's, uh, that's great. So I, so that, you know, that kind of leads me, um, to uh, the next question related, you know, to the pandemic and, and, and for both of you, you know, both for Trevor as a project manager and for you as a recreation supervisor, um, I, I know that, that um, or I would think that as a project manager, it would be less of a burden like switching to virtual. And obviously as a parks and recreation supervisor, 
you know, where we value that, that person to person element and that, that, that building of community, I would think that it would be a, a lot harder. And it, it seemed like you, you suggested that when, when you said, yeah, people are done with virtual in, in Moraga, they, they want to get back to, they want to get back to these in-person events. So, so how have you, how have you managed that? I mean, I know some parks and recreation uh, departments have, um, have been doing childcare um, and, and various other um, after-school programs, that sort of thing. Have you guys been doing that? We have. So um, this summer, um, we were one of two cities um, in Contra Costa County to continue to offer our summer camp program from the start of summer. Um, so we we, I mean, talk about a deep dive, like how are we going to make this happen? What are the safety regulations and guidelines? But being a small town, it wasn't that big of a pivot for us. Um, So we actually had one of our best summers ever in terms of attendance and revenue generation. Um, And then, yeah, when school was like, nope, it's going to be distance learning. Um, we, there was a need in the community for childcare. There was a need for distance learning pods because parents still had to work. Um, when school started, school sites were not offering um, on-site um, distance learning pods. So we put together a program for the children of essential workers um, on our site Um, but we, fortunately, I guess, um, the school sites have since started offering distance learning pods. I think today is today, Tuesday. Yeah. So today, um, school in Moraga actually went back, um, hybrid model. Um, so since Christmas break, um, our distance learning pods are no longer. Okay. I got you. I got you. And you know, th- this, the podcast will, will air a little, a little bit later, but, um, but we're, we're talking to each other on, um, what is this February 16th, maybe something like that. Um, so, uh, so that gives a, l- a little bit of the, uh, of the context there. What about you, Trevor? What, is, how is, um, how has it changed? Um, um, how have you pivoted? Yeah, we've seen definitely an explosion in demand for coaching. Coaching all happens virtually through video conferencing tools. Yeah. Um, and co- so coaching is one of those things that can happen from anywhere just with a, a screen and an internet connection. So whereas we've seen you know, maybe a, a slow in terms of the number of cohort-based programs, leadership programs that are face-to-face, we're seeing a lot more requests for coaching come in, coming in, especially as... Um, managers and leaders are struggling with things like how do they motivate their teams? How do they stay resilient? How do they, you know, share mindfulness and wellness resources with people who are really struggling both personally and professionally during a a pandemic that's brought a number of both health-related and psychological challenges to to many of us. So uh, we are seeing a really an explosion in growth in coaching both in kind of all sectors, all industries um, because of the pandemic. So we've really kind of pivoted to focus first and foremost on meeting those needs for clients. Right. Well, I'm glad you brought up mindfulness, you know, because I, I think it's, um, it, it's something that I, that, uh, 
I'm very um, committed to, I have become committed to over the, over the last few years. Um, we teach, uh, we teach a course now that we got approved about um, four or five years ago, or maybe it wasn't that long ago, three, three years ago or so um, called sociocultural dimensions of work and leisure. And we have a mindfulness module in, in that course. And, um, and one of the things that I realized, Trevor, um, in starting to teach that to students all across the university at Cal Poly, I started realizing that there's, there's this thirst for it and, um, and whether, and so, you know, hearing you speak, I think whether or not you're an engineer, an architect, a physical scientist, a social scientist, a recreation supervisor, we're all dealing, you know, we're all dealing with our own um, challenges and issues related to mindfulness. And, you know, when you're, when you're working five feet from your bed, I mean, you know, my bed is right behind me here and that's now my office. And like, how do you stay motivated to, 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 to be able to keep, to keep going? And, and, and it's very, very difficult. And when, when you think about like what's happening in the world and, and, and what our world has, has gone through over the last uh, over the last year in particular. I think it's so important what what you're doing and that that coaching and that that management um, elements of of um, bringing in mindfulness and wellness. That has to be it has to be pretty gratifying to be able to help some people along those lines. Is that would you say? Yeah, you definitely feel like you're making a difference. That you're having an impact on people both professionally in their career development and helping them find kind of their next journey or their next their next role whether that's you know a, a linear or a vertical vertical step um but then also it's just I, I really appreciate that um more and more people are taking the brave and courageous steps to talk about some of the struggles that they're having and it's becoming more mainstream mainstream for people to open up about some of their challenges and that's kind of paving the way for others to to share as well and i hope that as a society we can continue to do that to have continue to have the, the discussions in a one-on-one -on -one environment and to kind of all seek the, the resources and support that we need, but to start having that more kind of global um, kind of open conversation, I think is really important. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Trevor. You know, I, um, when I, when I started teaching um, this module, um, one, one of the things that, that I discovered is that um, for the first time in my career, I had students come forward and, and say, Thanks, because I, I'm struggling, and um, and you have helped me in, in my struggle, and I now feel like I have someone who I can tell about it, and I've never felt that before, you know. And and so for me, I had to take a step back, and you know, I remember at one point saying like, I just kind of feel like um, I, I feel like today's student um, is struggling more, and and what I realized is is that. I think it's actually exactly what you just said and it, it, that people are, it's not that we're necessarily struggling more. It's that we're feeling more comfortable being able to, to talk about it and to recognize that, um, that the stigma that has been there for, for many, many years around, um, you know, um, mental health and, and, and being able to cope with things, um, is 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 thankfully um I, I think we're supporting each other more and um i i don't i don't think we can discount that i think we've got to continue down that path you know i'm working right now with a group of um 
a group of faculty um, and students um, to, to do some, some research on mindfulness and how we might engage it even more. And, you know, I hear, I hear faculty from, from some, um, from some departments say, well, you know, I, I can't do that in the classroom. My, my colleagues, my colleagues would, would flip out if I, if I start to do that. And I'm like, you know, Trevor, you'll, you'll get this from, from your basketball time. And, and I, I had a, um, I had a coach that I was interviewing about 15 years ago and he was a, he was a famous, I'm not going to reveal who it was because it's confidential, but um, he, he was a pretty famous um, uh, Bay area coach and he had gone for a period of time where he had won a ton of championships. Right. And then he went for a 10 year period where he didn't win any. And he was like, what am I doing different? And he said, what he finally realized is that um, kids weren't playing um, in their free time as much and having unstructured play. So he realized that he had to teach them leadership. Whereas previous generations, he didn't have to teach leadership because they had just gotten it from that unstructured play environments, right? And so I think the same thing about mindfulness, you know, like if if we're if if kids aren't getting mindfulness, if they aren't getting that grit and that perseverance and that 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 motivational stuff, if they're not getting it anywhere else, right? Like as a management professor. Right. I feel like I should be able to I should be able to to try to help along those lines. But I think I would say that that would go for any whether you're a hard scientist or a social scientist or whatever you are, an engineer, an engineering professor. We're all trying to help each other through this journey. And so I think, um, you know, the old way of doing things where it used to be like my way or the highway, you know, that that, that just doesn't that doesn't cut it. And so. I love hearing that you're doing that. Um, I think it's I think it's so great, um, uh, Jasmine. I, I love hearing that you are are giving back to to your community and are um, and are are headed down the path towards um, towards being that CEO that I know you will uh, you will eventually be. It'll be in a different form, right? It'll be director of Parks and Recreation. Who knows? Maybe one day the the man, the, the mayor or or whatever. <laughs> no, she, she's shaking her head no. But um, but I think um, I would love to end with this. Um, you know, to to get very serious in terms of um, thinking about your your college career and 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 um, thinking about giving advice to to these future generations. Um, I think everyone wants to know how do you find love in college. I can't help you. Uh, that's not, see, that's not where you thought I was going, was it? <laughs> uh, you know, it's been so long. I don't know if uh, what worked 14 years ago would work today. Right. Just, I don't even know if the method still exists. Right, right. Keep keep taking the same classes together. You said you guys took 10 classes together. So, you know, after the fifth class, if you're in the fifth class with that same someone, you might want to um you might want to say, "Hi, I'm Brian." <laughs> um I think it was more like C's get degrees. Ah. I think is what was said, but ah. uh, I definitely didn't have a C. So, uh-huh. that was 
a little like, what, who are you and why? But is, that what, is, is that really what he first said to you? <laughs> it was along those lines. Yeah. One of many probably very inspirational lines that I'm sure I've used over the last 14 years. Oh, I am sure. I am sure. Well, look, guys, I, I really appreciate it. I know we've come up on an hour and um, I know you got a toddler there somewhere uh, that somebody's taking care of. So uh, I don't want to cost you any like overtime or, or anything <laughs> like that. I just want to thank you guys so much for coming on. Um, I hope you both know how much you mean to me and, uh, and uh, you know, just really appreciate you taking the time. And um, I know you won't be strangers. Come see us here in San Luis Obispo. Trevor, maybe we can uh, start working on towards the corn ferry tour together. I would love to take you out for a round of golf. Um, but uh, thank you guys so much. Thanks for having us. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you.